With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Page Publishing Book Club. How you doing? I'm Alice Stockton Rossini. Jim Miller was an elementary school teacher, principal, district superintendent, and teacher of new teachers at Eureka College. And as you are about to find out, his book, No, No Thank You, was a natural. It just took him 12 years to finally publish it. It is about uh, manners and the results of good manners. You'll find a kid by the name of Donald D. Flopper, who they called Doodle Flopper, and then they changed his name shorter to make it Do. And uh, he is in the uh, you know the lower grades, and they're trying to sell pizzas for a fundraiser for their school. And mom gets him together and says, "Now we need to go out and get some pizza sold. Let's go over the, the you know the spiel you're going to give our neighbors." And so they go over the spiel, and mom says, "Well, that's absolutely fine, but you need to end every conversation with a thank you of some sort." And he said, no problem. And then he stopped for a minute and he said, wait a minute, what about people who don't buy a pizza from me? She said, doesn't matter. You should thank them anyway for their time, et cetera, et cetera. So he goes about his business. He sells one or two pizzas. He gets to Mrs. Fritz, an elderly old lady. And she says, I'm sorry, do I can't buy any today. And he said, okay, that's okay, Mrs. Fritz. No problem. Thank you. He turns around to leave and she says, no, thank you. And then it hits him. Mom said, leave them. Last thought, no, a thank you of some sort. He said, no, no, Mrs. Fritz, thank you. He starts to go away. She says, no, 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 thank you. And then he comes back and says, hollers, no, 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 thank you, and hits the road. Back home, mom says, how'd you do? Well, you know, the story was he did pretty well, but he didn't sell any to Mrs. Fritz. And she said, well, You know, that story has changed because Mrs. Fritz called here after you left and said she had to order a pizza from you because of your nice manners. And he said, you kidding me. So at any rate, mission accomplished. What a great story. What a great way to teach kids how to say thank you. (laughs) You bet. You You know, what a concept, right? Shouldn't we be learning that at home? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, There's lots of kids who do use good manners, but there's some kids who it just doesn't come naturally or doesn't flow from their parents as quickly. And so I'm trying to capture both audiences, those who need to be reinforced and those who need it for the very first time or an earlier time. So you're an educator. I mean, no problem walking into a school and saying, I've got this book. I want to read it to these kids. That's what I do. And then I also, uh, right after I retired, I had a beagle, miniature beagle, and we went and got trained in the R-E-A-D program, Reading Education Assistance Dogs. And so for nine years, I went to, back to my elementary school in El Paso and other area schools, libraries. We went to St. Jude's Midwest Affiliate, and kids came in and sat down and read to Molly. And they just loved it, and I loved every minute of that. They read to your dog? Yes. She would crawl up on a beanbag chair 
the kids would come and sit down next to her. She would lay her head over on their lap. And I always told the kids, now, the better you read, the quieter Molly gets. And if she falls asleep, you can darn well bet you've done a great job of reading. And she did fall asleep about, oh, maybe four out of ten times. Well, what a great idea, Jim. Listen, thank you for writing this book. James L. King is retired U.S. military and school science chair who collects military memorabilia. After the Berlin Wall came down in the 90s, his focus on East German memorabilia inspired him to write A Collector's Guide to East German Awards and Medals. You know, that that book is uh, like 135 pages or something like that, and they're probably easily over a thousand different types of medals, awards, and stick pins and all kinds of things like that that the uh, East German government, it wasn't much different than the World War II German government or, or, any, or any other military that gave out awards. You know, there's just a myriad of them. Uh, in this first book, I just picked out the most common and the highest awards that uh, they did it, uh, something that would interest the collectors, as it did myself, and uh, accumulated it and just put it in the book. Uh, see, there's been many references done of uh, the East German books, but the problem was that I noticed simply as a collector was that none of those books were in English. They were all either in German or Cyrillic. And so for a Western collector that spoke English, you could get the book, from the that were in those languages but if you couldn't read Cyrillic or German then all you were doing was looking at pictures and so you didn't have a background of uh, the award criteria or how many were awarded or what it was for or I even went as far as to talk about the different metals and uh, alloys that were put into the metals and how they were covered how they were made the ribbons and what they meant it, it, it's a pretty in-depth little book. You have to remember that when the regime first came into being, the stuff was of higher quality, but as socialism always does, things got worse instead of better. And, and you know, something that was made in 935 gold in uh, ni- 1948, by the time 1989 came around, it was made out of zinc. There are a couple of those metals that are worth uh, up to four and $5,000. And then you have... Some of the lesser ones that we were just speaking about, they're worth five or six dollars. But the, the higher status metals, they they didn't lose too much of their uh, values for, and and they didn't cut that many corners on some of the higher higher ranking metals. And so there are probably ten or eleven that are really high status that uh, are hard to get and uh, of high quality. And then uh, there are some that are a little more obscure. But because of the obscurity and the rarity of them, they're uh, uh, up there in price also. Like anything else, you know, there's a certain niche that you're writing for. And I found that, uh, you know, you you can talk to uh, uh, half a dozen people that don't know anything about Eastern metals, and you can talk to that one or two that can talk to you all day about them. And so you're going after that audience. And, of course, after... Uh, you know, from 1990 forward, uh, you know, I, I became part of that circle and um, talked to some of the people that got in on it uh, from the ground floor, and they became uh, what I call pseudo-experts in the field. And, you know, they learned through trial and error, and uh, 
you know, I looked to them for information and, and knowledge and, and then uh, started doing my own research. And uh, I, I... Writing poetry that you'll find in his book entitled Thoughts for Another Day, Poems for the Common Man. Uh, just, you know, you know, quite honestly, people have asked me, you know, well, what's this one about? What's this one about? And quite honestly, you know, a lot of them are, are, are life experiences. But a lot of them are just stuff that, uh, you know, pops into my head and I write it down and try to make sense of it. And, um, you know, so it's just, you know, when you're writing poetry, you kind of think of music at the same time. So I always look at that and say, boy, if, if I was a songwriter, somebody could really... Uh, really maybe put that into a song, you know, with a little more effort and a little more time. And, uh, you know, poems tend to be somewhat shorter than a song, but, um, you know, with a chorus and, and a middle and a beginning and an ending, you know, there could be a song there. I've always kind of thought of that. And so I, I, you know, uh, you know, sometimes you just make stuff up to make it rhyme too. Let's see. Here, here's here's one. This one's this one's pretty short, and uh, it's called uh, "Quiet." Uh, quiet is the day. Your thoughts stray, wondering what's left. Taking my heart was part of a theft. Looking forward, moving slowly, wanting to have a story. Wondering what to eat. Always looking at my feet. Go to work do my job, lay down at night, listen to my heart throb, trying to keep it on two wheels, wish you knew how it feels, don't really know what to say, quiet is the day. Oh, that's so nice. I just, I, I, it's really crazy because I picked up a, a Johnny Cash book of uh, poems, oh, I forget the, the name of it, but uh, I picked it up and I've been reading it and it's basically, some of them that, that he turned into songs or partial songs, but uh, it was all his scratching on on napkins and, and placemats and things like that. And I'll tell you, I read a couple of them last night in bed, and uh, a couple of them were very similar to a couple of poems I had. It was uh, it was pretty eerie, pretty crazy. Well, that's pretty much what songwriting is, right? Poetry. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's certainly a uh, certainly a stress reliever. I'll tell you that uh, for sure. Uh, you know, certainly a stress reliever, and uh, um, you know, obviously there's a, a feeling of accomplishment, and, and uh, you know, like you say, you don't have to explain every every poem, and sometimes they're just thoughts. They really don't mean anything about me or anybody in my life. It's just thoughts in my head, you know. Well, looking forward to more thoughts in your head, Robert. Thank you. Ted and Linda Rindle met in high school in Oklahoma, married other people, divorced, then married each other. And 18 years ago, Ted literally woke up one morning and a story came to him that forever changed their lives. It is a story of faith and love entitled A True to Life Western Story, No Looking Back. We'd been married two years in Oklahoma and one morning, it happened to be a Sunday morning. Ted sat straight up in bed. I know how I died. That woke me up. And it, he, this story just poured from his lips. I was in shock. I, I, I've never heard of that happening. Well, right beside us, 
our bed was a yellow tablet and a pencil. We used that in our work. We, I grabbed that yellow pad and I started writing as fast as I could. He didn't slow down. He didn't say, what do you think? He, he just told. This went on three to four hours. He knew his wife's name, Rachel. We don't even know a Rachel. He knew the places Tom and his brother John left the farm in Tennessee and joined the Union Army in the Civil War. Fought in the bloodiest battle of, uh, up to that time at Stones River. Tom was severely wounded, and the doctor wanted to amputate his leg, and the nurse said, wait, wait a minute. So she nursed him back to health. He's only 16 years old. The nurse says, if you go west two or 300 miles, there's no killing there. There's no war. So she helped him slip away. He stole clothes off of a clothesline, buried his Union uniform, and went west. He wanted to be a cowboy. He ate grass just to survive. He collected salt out of the Great Salt Plains there in Oklahoma Territory to sell so that he could gather up cattle in, in, in Texas and have a cattle ranch. He built a little cabin and used cow hides for the roof. This man was a survivor. Tom marries, has children. He gathers cowboys. He hires cowboys, cowhands, and they always celebrate Christmas, and they talk about the Lord. They talk about Jesus. They don't preach the word. It's very casual, like they believe in God. Then when the, the only black cowboy, he's trying to break a, a horse, a maverick horse, and he's killed, and as he's dying, he says, I am with God. So we, we put God in there, very normal. Well, you got an amazing story, I'll tell you that. It, the, really is. Uh, it is, and uh, about every turn, God's mentioned, and it, it blends in with the story. And uh, one of them was his foreman finds a woman, gets married, comes there to see him, and then takes off and goes into an area and buys a ranch, comes back for Christmas, and they have Christmas together and meet his new wife and all this and that. And uh, New Year's Day of 1896, they take out to, to go back to his ranch. And the worst blizzard that America ever had, and this, this is documented, they get caught in this blizzard. And uh, in fact, he kills the mule and they wrap up in the hide just to try to keep warm. And uh, she uh, confides in him that she's pregnant and wants to be able to survive this storm so they can raise a child. That gives them added things to think about. And this in between these times, we're going back and forth between them and where Tom is in his house. They just about to give up. And they look up, and one of the cowboys before this was killed to death because he found gold, and his name was Andy. And he looks up, and he knows Andy's dead. He's been dead for a year or so. And there's Andy and says, follow me. And he leads them back to the house. And uh, they almost die in the house because they are frozen almost to death. But anyway, we have these kind of stories to tell. Well, it's pretty impressive stuff, Ted. Thank you so much. And with that, we're going to take a quick break, but we're coming right back. This is the Page Publishing Book Club. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then now's the time to call Page Publishing at 800-204-6099 and do it immediately. You see, they're looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review most of the books submitted to them. And they'll even give you their feedback. And if they like what
what they read, Page Publishing will get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, and other outlets. They'll handle everything. Copyright protection, printing, cover art, publicity, and editing. So if you've written a novel, a children's book, a cookbook, inspirational work, a book of poetry, or biography, and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-204-6099 now for your free author submission kit. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call for your free author submission kit. Call Page Publishing at 800-204-6099. We're back on the Page Publishing Book Club. I'm Alice Stockton-Rossini. Mary E. Schoen is a real estate broker in Omaha, Nebraska, who wanted to share with others the things in her life that have made her successful in her book entitled The Pear Tree Principle. And it goes back to uh, when I was a little girl. It was an inspirational story of a young girl living in poverty, which was me. Uh, whose life was forever changed by a basic truth that I learned from a simple pear tree growing in my own backyard. And this lesson led to intrigue that eventually took and transformed my life of poverty to wealth and success in every facet of my life. And so I want to share with uh, the readers and to guide them step-by-step on a journey that will tell them exactly what to do to duplicate this kind of success in their lives with little or no investment on their part. When I was a little girl and I was sitting in my backyard and I was looking up at this pear tree and I said, that pear tree could make me some money. I'm about nine years old and I'm very poor. And I looked at that pear tree and I said, you know, I'm going to harvest those pears and I'm going to sell them. And I went around the block selling those pears to everybody. And then I said to myself, I'm not going to spend this money. I'm going to invest it. At nine years old, I'm deciding I'm going to invest. So I invested in a little uh, a looms and uh, loops and looms that make pot holders. And I started a pot holder business at this very young age, and I was very successful doing it. So I adapted this principle throughout my life that you can start with nothing or very little, and you can pyramid it into something uh, very successful and you know uh, wealth generating. In my book, uh, I've you know geared into real estate. And I show people here how to purchase property. I teach them how to uh, go through tax lien uh, sales and master commissioner sales and uh, trustee sales. We tell them about 1031 exchanges and how to create do creative financing uh, with other uh, real estate uh, uh, businesses. Um, I teach people how to act as their own attorney if they have to evict a wrongful a tenant for wrongful detention of rent. And it's, it's pretty much a guideline uh, to help people in uh, investments and, uh, you know, pat, uh, prepare their way for success uh, in the future and bring them to a millionaire status. And I have brought many, many people to a millionaire status by the principles that are in this book. And I've helped many, many people. I've been a real estate broker since 1977, and I've opened my own company in 1980. And my company follows the principles of uh, the Pear Tree Principle book. <laughs> and uh, we've helped a lot, a lot of people into uh, a great success and wealth. I've actually lived the principles of this book. Many, many authors uh, uh, do not uh, necessarily live the, these principles for over 40 years like I have. 
So we we try to teach people how to do this with little or no investment on their part. All right, Mary, thanks so much. Ion Paya came to the U.S. from France more than two decades ago. He says he knows the truth about socialism and wants to inform America before it's too late. The name of his book, The Death Penalty for Karl Marx, Democrats, Socialism, and Slavery for All. I decided to write this book in terms of... Uh when I realize enough is enough. Someone has to have the courage to describe the reality of American society, to be honest, to say this is like that, this is not like that, and to try to convince people and to find, to inform people. This is the most important part. And uh, the most part, it's... uh, the depiction of the aspect of the corruption of the situation is in America. America is a very nice country. It's a dream. People die to be here. It represents the life in a socialist country. And try to convince people to stay away of this idea. Socialism, it's a lie. It's a never ever offer anything, just nothing, nothing. And instead give to people suffering, lack of million ton of uh, needs, uh, humiliation, and uh, what is very, very bad, million men, women, children died or are mutilated or disappear overnight because justice in this country doesn't exist. It's a, it's a joke. But this book, it's an appeal to many people in the world, never ever to select, to elect people who offer communism, socialism. It's a lie. Watch Venezuela, watch China, Communist Party, lie, lie about now about the coronavirus, and Cuba. It's not possible, like a, a Democrat, like you. Bernie Sanders. It's, 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 this is other reason. How is possible this guy to be so stupid and not, not to realize? He never said anything about in this time of uh, campaign election. So something wrong about uh, Venezuela. Why? And no other. No. Nancy, Sanji, Pelosi, and many other. Because they offer exactly what this we see in Venezuela and other countries, communist countries. I deep, I go deep. I find the roots of the socialism. Because Karl Marx was a very uh, uneducated person. was a very a confused philosopher. He didn't know anything. He just read the uh, Jean Jacques Rousseau or Tommaso Campanella or other just Bible uh, and uh, make an uh, amalgamate, put them ideas together and finally create socialism. It doesn't work. It's a beautiful idea. Everybody will die to install socialism. But Finally, you realize it's a crime against humanity.
All right, I am. Thank you so much. Finally, Carolyn Walden Johnson is a retired school counselor in College Station near Texas A&M. And she says a vision from God inspired her book, There's a Surprise in My Mailbox. I laid down one night. The idea came to me. Next morning, I got up and pretty much completed the entire book. And I guess I've been thinking about there's not a lot of picture books that have African-American children in them. And I wanted I wanted it to be fun and cute, so that's why I I wrote the book. It's about um, a little African American boy that tries to do good things, but sometimes other things get in the way. And like in the case with Blue, Blue is a little the main character in the book, and he promises Buddy, who is the Blizzard, that I'm going to do all of these things if you just come with me come explore with me. And but then after Buddy comes with Blue, he changes his mind or gets caught up in the moment of having fun himself. So he can't follow through with the promises he made for Buddy. They're kind of like on the back burner. He makes these commitments but never follows through on anything. And then there's a lesson also with, you know, kids talking to strangers because that's how he met, met Buddy. And just like strangers would lure kids away. Oh, I'll do this. You know, come with me. We're going to have fun. So there's a lesson in that itself. Of course, eventually what happens is Blue tries to do the right thing and set Buddy free. He could go home, back to his family. And the, I guess the main thing is, you know, he promises him to do all of these things. And once he tells him, once Blue tells Buddy, you know, okay, we're not strangers anymore. I told you my name. But he starts thinking, yeah, you told me your name. You can't share it with me, so let me share with you. So then what happens is Buddy has a trick he can do. So he finds him in the mailbox. And so there's some envelopes, different colors in the mailbox. So Buddy figured out, okay, well, let me show you. We're friends now, so let me show you what I can do. And so he bounces around on all of these different color envelopes, and of course, Blue is amazed. Oh, oh, you know, you can you can turn different colors. You know, that's great. Let me take you to show and tell. And my friends are going to like me once I show them what trick you can do. And then, of course, because he's forgot to feed him, and so when he takes him to show and tell, of course, Buddy's just so mad and so furious. So when he takes him to show and tell with the color surface, Buddy's like, I'm not going to show him anything. Look what he did to me. And so he gets embarrassed. The kid starts laughing at him because Buddy's not showing his tricks. There's several messages here. I think it's about, you know, think before you just talk to a stranger. Um, when you make commitments, it's important that you try to follow through on them and about making excuses. You know, don't make excuses why you can't do do certain things. And right now, Buddy is a lizard, but it could be a dog. It could be a bird. It could be a cat. And People like animals, they need love, you know. So sometimes it's difficult uh, when you make poor choices, but hopefully eventually you can do the right thing. Great message, Carolyn. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap for this edition of the Page Publishing Book Club. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you to our authors. If you missed anything, just go to 710WOR.com and download the podcast. I'm Alice Stockton Rossini. I'll catch you next time.
Attention all authors. Page Publishing is looking for authors. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Page Publishing will get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, Apple iTunes, and other outlets. They handle all aspects of the publishing process for you. Printing, cover art, publicity, copyright, and editing. Call 800-204-6099 now for your free author submission kit. That's 800-204-6099 for your free author submission kit. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.